0: Welcome! This is the podcast of the Capacity Building for European Capitals of Culture project, initiated by the European Commission. Here we will share insights, best practices and know-how from experts across different fields on topics relevant for the design and implementation of European Capitals of Culture. In the framework of the project, InterArts has organized the 4th Academy Camp on Community Development through Creative Action, directed to the delivery team of Timisoara 2023 and other actors in the cultural and social life of Romania and in the ECOC community. In this episode number 18, we will meet James Bingham, studio and outreach producer.
1: Hello, I'm James Bingham. I'm the studio and outreach producer at Irish National Opera. I've worked in outreach and classical music for the last decade in a variety of different organisations and working on many different kinds of projects. Most notably, I worked at Glyndebourne Opera House in their outreach department and also Opera North, before then heading across to Irish National Opera and setting up their outreach department from scratch, I'm a trained conductor and I've worked in some of these organisations as an amateur and conductor on projects. And I've also worked as a producer, as I do in my current job, where I'm running a variety of different projects in all shapes and sizes that are designed to engage the people of Ireland in opera and show as many people as possible that opera is something they may be interested in. Outreach, I think, is a word that the more I work in the industry of outreach is difficult to define. What constitutes a project being outreach? I think the lines can be blurred. Sometimes outreach projects can be very educational, both in a sort of formal school setting, so going into schools and talking about opera, but also educating outside of that. If somebody is wanting to come and see an opera, educating them about what the story is and what they can expect when they come. So there's that sort of thing. I think it's also outreach can be a tool for social change in the sense that it can be something that can be a process that people can take part in. It can be a really, really positive experience for them. I personally, when I was younger, took part in outreach projects and that gave me opportunities that I think have had a major impact on my life. And I think that work does have um, the impact to do those sorts of things. It comes in all shapes and sizes. Ultimately, I think outreach is about an organisation looking at its assets, i.e. in the case of Irish National Opera, it's the fact that we're very good at producing high quality opera. And looking at what those assets can, how they can be contributing to the world in a positive way. And how can we have a positive impact? on society using the work that we do uh, beyond simply the basis of uh, bringing people to opera, which is inherently, I argue, something that has a positive impact on society. I've given a talk to people involved in ECHOG as part of a series of training days at Timishwara. I gave that talk remotely speaking about the work I'd done on a project called Out of the Ordinary, which is Irish National Opera's first ever virtual reality community opera, and what we think is the world's ever first virtual reality community opera. I spoke about the challenges of working in a virtual context. So how do you build an opera in that virtual environment? It's a piece that you'd experience in a virtual reality headset. And also the challenges of how you take that kind of crazy form for an opera and uh, work with a community, so a group of non-professionals who are new to the world of opera, who've got interesting things to contribute and bring to the table. And How do you incorporate those voices? How do you bring together a group of different voices, all with different ideas and opinions and thoughts and experiences, and distill that into something that is a cohesive, singular experience that will feel like something that's been well-crafted and well-shaped? How does that work while still ensuring that the people who are contributing to this opera feel like they have contributed something and they could see themselves in it. It's a complicated process and it's by far and away the most ambitious project that I've worked on. Um, I hope that the talk gave people um, some food for thought and inspired them to do equally ambitious and interesting projects like that. The community participants who comprise a collection of people from around the country, people living on the island of Inishmion, which is a small island in the Aran Islands off the off the west coast of Ireland, are involved in the project. We've also got a collection of secondary school students from around the country involved. And we've also got a group of adults living in Talla involved. Um, Talla being in a city area of Dublin, uh, very very urban, so very different communities all working on this project and they've been working on this project for the best part of 18 months to date and they've been involved in every creative aspect of the piece what the piece looks like what the story of the piece how it's going to feel the sound world of the work and that's been a long process that has been about getting people to feel creative by doing creative work with them one thing we often find, and I see this time and time again from people, including friends, family, people on projects I work with, is that often people can feel nervous to identify themselves as being an artist. You know, oh, I can't sing, or I can't draw, or I can't paint, or whatever it is. And so a lot of the work that we do in the early stages is about unlocking that. It's about getting people to think, oh, yeah, no, so long as I'm creating, then I'm I'm creative, really. And so through that, we sort of generated a huge amount of ideas through a variety of different kinds of workshops that took place online. And then we've been distilling those down over the course of the last 18 months through further workshops um, with these groups and coming back to them and sharing the ideas with one another in that sort of way, and also introducing them to the world of VR and showing them great examples of VR and putting on the headsets and experiencing that to try and distill this. So that's the kind of process and the input that the community have as part of this. But they really appear in every sort of creative and performative aspect as well. And We have a big community choir who are gonna be featured in the final work, who are currently busy away in rehearsals and before the recording will be created of the work to go into the headset. The reason why we were interested in working in this particular area and on this project, A, was because there was a funding opportunity there. We were approached to be part of that funding opportunity, and that was really, really interesting. And that, of course, always informs any decisions you make. When these sorts of opportunities come up, you think, how can we apply these resources in a way that's effective? But also it was about the challenges around the country of Ireland being able to create something that has national reach and is truly egalitarian. It's very easy in a country like Ireland for the company simply to just put on performances in Dublin and occasionally in Cork and just serve those communities. But to do so would be disingenuous to our name and we wouldn't really be fulfilling our national remit and I think it sends a problematic message as well about who opera's for, you know, if it's just for people living in the capital. And we don't think that at all. We think it's an egalitarian art form. So virtual reality is an interesting way of us doing something that's unique and experimental and forward-thinking, which can be brought across the country and can be exactly the same experience wherever you go. Which is why I think us working with Inish Mam was a, an interesting thing. The, the residents of Inish Mion there's, it's not a big island at all there, and as a result, the provisions for physical spaces that you know there is there is one community centre and a school hall, but they're not big spaces at all. And so, if we're able to bring opera to Inishmion, that's really really exciting, and we can really bring it to all parts of the country if that's the case. So, we want to do something that can reach everywhere. It can be quite intimidating I think for a community and this is one thing I wanted to avoid with our virtual reality opera to so say we're writing the world's first virtual reality community opera tell us what would you like that opera to be about can you give us a full plot synopsis please and what key signatures are we going to use in bar 72 you know what if you kind of start with with such an intimidating question as to you know what would you like your virtual reality community opera to look like when a lot of the people working on this project haven't put on a virtual reality headset and haven't worked in opera. That's quite an intimidating question. And I don't think that's me saying, oh, they don't know, you know, they're, they're not educated enough or anything like that. It's actually for them to do something that they're really proud of themselves in the sense of of it being something that's an informed choice in terms of looking at how can you make the most of this art form and getting used to that. I think that's one aspect of it. And then the other side of things is about them working in partnership with professional artists. And that is quite an intimidating experience as well for people. I think if you ask, if you have a writer there, a professional writer who does this for a living, and they say, okay, I've written this story, I've written this libretto based on the text that you've given me and the ideas you've given me, I've shaped this in this way, and it's thought through, what's your feedback to this? That is quite an intimidating ask for someone someone who isn't a professional writer who doesn't have that writing experience to then critique it. They might think they don't like it and that's absolutely fine. And that's something that we should really look at why that is, but they might feel nervous about saying that because of the, the differences in experiences and those sorts of things. You know, if you're in a room with somebody and you say, or you're on a zoom call or whatever it is to say, you know, do you like this? And then there's silence on the call, does that mean, okay, the, the piece is fine? Well, no, it doesn't. Not always. It might do. But those are, I think, challenges of understanding those sorts of values. Because there's a lot being asked from the community at the start, the way that we went about a lot of the work was actually to slowly introduce people to ideas. So we didn't advertise when we were looking for participants for people to take part in a virtual reality community opera as a whole. What we did first is we set up writing workshops that were lasting for four weeks once a night on zoom so you know if you want to improve your writing skills by the way alongside this writing workshop it's actually part of a much bigger thing where we're building the world's first virtual reality community Operate, and your ideas are going to contribute to that as part of this so there'll be more about it but right now it's just a writing workshop oh and next month there's also going to be a visual arts workshop and some other people are interested in that who weren't really interested in the arts in the writing and so they're going to come to that oh, and then the month after that, we're going to do something around music. And what we found was very organically through that process, there were people who would come along because they were interested in one part of that and would stick with us because then they got to know us and they had a stake in the piece and they wanted to see it develop. And what I love about the project now is we've got people who came with one idea about, oh, I'm creative in this sense. You know, I'm really interested in writing and now up for trying absolutely anything. And I love that about the project, that it's got people thinking about, I can be creative in lots of different ways. I think some of the values I've discussed in our creative process there, I think can absolutely be transferred across to the infrastructure of the Capital of Culture program, in the sense that it is a very intimidating question to ask. You know, how would you like capital of culture to be curated when people don't know what's out there and might not immediately off the bat feel comfortable telling an arts producer this is what I think is worth doing so again I think it's about actually setting up smaller scale opportunities a lot of the time you know bringing people along to a session to or have a free events where you you ask you you show someone a film or something that's kind of a, a bit different you know something that they may not have seen ask them for their thoughts do a focus group or something like that and sort of sit around and sort of say what did you think about that and, or could you write something in response or paint a picture in response to that and get people to think about okay I can think critically about this work and then when people feel they can think critically about something that is outside of their comfort zone and is something that they're not used to then maybe they can think critically about something else. Now, maybe they can they feel like they have the license themselves to contribute towards it. So the thing, I mean, one thing I really should stress about this is it's not asking people to meet a certain threshold. We're not saying to people, are you cultured enough? Yes, now now you are allowed to take part. It's nothing like that. It's not you must be so high to ride the roller coaster because that's incredibly patronizing to people. This is about people feeling like they have the license themselves. And I will stress as well that that obviously because human beings are different, that varies from people to people. And we have some people on the project who, from the word go, were very clear to us exactly what they wanted to do with this project. And that's great, you know, and it means we have this feedback and we have other people who were less involved in the project who came to the project later and immediately threw in thoughts and opinions and wanted to share those and made those very, very clear. Again, that's all part of the process and that's really, really beneficial to us. But it's not about us saying, okay, these people are now educated enough that they are worthy to put their name down on this opera. It's about them feeling comfortable in themselves. And I think that kind of thing of making sure that people feel comfortable to have authority in themselves to contribute towards capital of culture is really, really important. One of the biggest changes that I've seen in the last 10 years has been a shift in the priority of outreach within organisations. I think if you'd asked me 10 years ago, what was the big challenge? It would be that outreach is relevant. But I think in the movements of a call for diversity and inclusion more generally, you know, those words aren't used specifically just in in outreach strands of arts organisations these days. It's really important to virtually every organisation as a result that kind of priority for a lot of arts organisations has shifted quite substantially in the last um, 10 years which has been great actually from my point of view Irish National Opera because we're a young company and so when we first we're in our fifth year now and when we were first established I was there from very early on and we were able to build a company where the Outreach aspect of the work we did was at the core of what we produced, which I think lots of arts organisations are trying to achieve now retroactively and overcome historical culture there in the past. But we're very fortunate that we were able to do that ourselves from the word go. I think the biggest challenge for outreach now, and is a trap I think is very easy to fall in, is to not assume that opera is good for you in this sort of somewhat colonial way of saying to people, you are struggling in life for whatever reason that is, and let me take part in this outreach project and there, all your problems will go away. Because you know, even me saying that out loud is just absolutely fanciful and ridiculous, really. It's not about us insisting that opera is good for everybody, but giving people the opportunities to try opera for themselves Either taking part in it, either experiencing it as an audience member, whatever that is, in a context that's comfortable for them, that's, I think, the, where the priority should be for arts organizations, as opposed to trying to explain why this art form is relevant in that sort of way. Let people decide for themselves whether it's relevant. That, of course, I think comes with the assumption, and this is an assumption that I believe it is good for people, but it's not for me to tell them that because it's only my perspective and i'm only one individual and i'm very aware of my own experiences and my own luck and my own upbringing and all those sorts of things that you know i'm i'm very grateful for but that's what i believe but really it's for people to make up their own minds um, and giving them the opportunity to do that is really really important rather than insisting that this is something that's good for them The lessons learned in in community opera for me, having worked on this project, I think is you can never communicate too much, and how you communicate to people is really, really important. It's quite convenient for me, with my working life, to fire off emails, and then if somebody hasn't heard something to say, that was in an email. But actually, people's lives work in completely different ways, and some people don't really Check their email very often. And it's not for me to tell people how they should live their lives in those sorts of ways. They're taking part in this project because they want to, and they're taking time out of their busy schedule to, to work with us and contribute to this project. And I'm really grateful to everybody who's taking part in our virtual reality opera. And so, therefore, I owe it to them to be proactive and to communicate with them in a way that makes sense for producers who are putting on community opera. I think one of the most important areas to consider that may be overlooked is about how you communicate with people. How can that vary? How can you respond to communications with different people? I think that's the big thing, really. In terms of the work that I've done and how that would relate to Capital of Culture, the Capital of Culture programme is really about Cities working with arts producers to create something really that is of relevance to the city and that the city are proud of. And when I've seen it done well, it works so fantastically because you get a city who didn't think that they were cultural, or you get people in that that city who think, "Oh, culture isn't for me," because culture has got this sort of baggage around it as being something that is for the you know the upper classes and for the, for the the bourgeoisie, whatever it is. And so if that kind of change is made through Capital of Culture, I think that is an absolutely fantastic legacy. That's my personal sort of thoughts in a nutshell that desired outcome if I was doing you know Capital of Culture for County Wicklow, where I, where I live currently. So I think, therefore, with the experiences that I've had, I think it's about finding ways that you can genuinely listen to the community. And when you hear apathy from the community, um, which may well happen, because there are many parts of the community who probably just don't have the time to speak to you. It's about thinking, okay, what can we do in a way that what can we draw from this? Where else can we go? How can we change our communication? And what other groups can we reach out to? To make sure that you are doing something that is genuinely going to be of interest to the people um, and isn't of interest to people who are going to be flying in from elsewhere to see it. I think once if you have your own group of people. And that doesn't necessarily mean producing stuff they specifically are asking for. There's a phrase I heard once, I think it was like a mantra at the BBC, which is slightly old fashioned now, of don't give the public what they want. They deserve so much more. But I do think there is some truth in that. I think you have to listen to the public, but also have license as professional producers, as professional arts practitioners to say, well, based on this. Here's something that, you know, isn't necessarily exactly what you stated was what you're interested in. But it's pretty close. And I I think actually once you try this, you'll think, wow, I hadn't expected this being for me. And that's my perspective as someone who works in opera, because so often people will come across to some of the work that we do and they weren't particularly interested in opera in the first place. It was one particular reason they came, because a, a friend was involved in the project or you know they liked singing but not opera but it just happened that there was an opera producer in town that was doing this program and then all of a sudden they discovered that they really really love opera so i think that kind of combination of things of listening to people and understanding and making clear the communication that you have is really important but also having creative license to take that and run with it I think I'd like to see more ambitious work, really. I think work that genuinely works with people who are outside of the remit of the work that you do, and that that work feels as creative and as inventive as it does with communities and groups who are a little bit easier to reach. I think you should never ever compromise on quality for the sake of accessibility. One thing that I think is really exciting at the moment in the arts world is that more and more, certainly as the conversations around diversity and inclusion have developed, and also because slowly we are seeing a more diverse group of people work in the sector, that means more interesting voices come through, that means more role models come through, and that means that you have quality artists who are really interested in outreach work. And don't see outreach work as a platform to jump onto something else and to do something that's you know properly professional. I think if we can change that perception in outreach work, that it is something that artistically is as if not more interesting. In my opinion, it is more interesting artistically than a lot of the work that I see in professional spaces because there's such an unknown factor with it. Going in, there's this this massive, you know, we didn't know what this opera is going to be about, and we needed the community to determine what it was about. I think if we can educate more artists to this opportunity of something, this is something that's will push you as an artist. And I know for the the artists that we've been working on this project, it's definitely something that's put them outside their comfort zones at times. I think if you can create that culture with artists and those artists are diverse themselves and they are role models for communities elsewhere, then not only do I think you're going to get some absolutely extraordinary pieces of art, but you're going to get work that is really inclusive and diverse, and that means more people will come and see art in all its forms, in spaces where at the moment those people um, aren't.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast of the Capacity Building for European Capitals of Culture project initiated by the european commission we hope you enjoyed this episode and join us again next time for more